Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm fine. I've just realised I'm on a very squeaky chair, but otherwise I'm fine. <laughs> okay, well, I will not be alarmed and think that is a swarm of mice attacking you or something. Yeah, or my bones started to squeak. Oh, <laughs> Interesting where your mind went. Yes. Well, apart from from your seating not being ideal, how are you? I'm I'm good. Yeah, I had a good week. Um, oh, good. And I want to tell you about a film I've watched. Oh, do tell me. It's a film from 1921, and it's by Fritz Murnau, who also did Nosferatu. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it's called, um, in German, it's called Schloss Vogelöd, which I'm not quite sure what that means. I mean, it means palace or castle and then something like bird, bird something. But in, in English, it's called The Haunted Castle, which oh, is a wow. bit misleading because I think there's a whole genre of films which are really about haunted castles. But it, it, it isn't really, but it's a bit, it's about something slightly different. Um, okay. I'm I'm trying I'm trying not to spoil it, and I'm going no, to try don't, and because I'm probably going to want to watch. This. Yeah, and I'm trying to cut a long story short, but basically it's set in this what probably you'd call here more like a mansion house where there's a party of maybe ten men gathered for to do hunting, and the weather is really bad, so they just sit around and they can't go hunting, and right. the men include someone called Graf Utsch and. No one likes him because they, they think he might have killed his brother. Oh, so, wow. And then the former wife of the brother is going to come with her new husband. So the hosts are a bit worried about all this because they know they won't get on. Um, so they then eventually appear. So the only two women in it, apart, I think, from a governess, are the hostess and this former wife of the man who was killed so they turn up and at first she says I can't stay we have to go again but then she stays because she's told there is this monk or friar from Rome who used to know her former husband is going to come and she finds that very interesting and um, so you know you're probably going to find out what happened so you know yeah. something happened as her former husband died, something is not quite right and you're going to find that out and that's that's what the film is about and you do know at the end what happened. So the the film is, you know, it's not the most amazing film ever but it's it's interesting and what I really liked were the clothes. So, oh, so it, is it set in, is it like contemporary yeah it is contemporary so and it it's such I love that period so it's Mm. you know it's not yet 20s yes and it's but it's after corsets and so it's it's sort of this in in between period which I really really like um so I first noticed the menswear so the first time I saw it I I came in sort of not right from the beginning so I didn't see all the credits at the beginning and I thought the menswear is really nice and there's a lot of opportunity to show different kinds of menswear they were at one point they're in evening suit at one point they're in their um, hunting outfits like Norfolk jacket type things and um, when I saw it again uh, it said at the beginning that the menswear is by S. Adam Outfitter. So I thought that was really interesting and I had a look and um, they were really big outfitters. They were called Saul, S-A-U-L. Is that how you say it? Saul? In German you'd say Saul. 
Sal yes. Adam and they had a big shop in Berlin. Oh, how fascinating. Mm. And if you look them up, some really interesting posters came up because they, when they realized that sportswear was becoming really important, that's one thing they started to do. So the, the posters are all about going, I think, skiing and, and that kind of stuff. Wow. So, so Could you forget how important that, I mean, obviously it comes from menswear originally, but you forget that it's so important at that period as well for men. Yeah, exactly. And even without seeing that, it, you know, just looking at, at the film, it was really obvious that, that it was really, really good. And mm. I think it's, the men are all different shapes and sizes and different mm. ages and the, the, the suits really fit them. So I wonder whether they were really, you know, specially made for, for them. They must have been. Wow. Um, so that's really interesting. And it's interesting. There's one scene where they're all in, in, in evening in evening suits and they all stand with one hand in their, in their trouser pocket and then the other hand holding a cigarette. Oh, my God, that pose, I can mm, picture it. Exactly. It's so of the period. Mm, totally. And it's you have your, your arm with a cigarette, you have it quite near your body. Yes. And yes. you sort of slightly, you don't stand totally straight. So yes. um, I'm sort of trying to do it while I'm talking to you. I can't... <laughs> careful on that chair. Yeah, careful. Um, <laughs> so, and, and it's really what I thought was interesting at one point, there is a young man and he's not wearing evening suits anymore. He's wearing a, a day suit and he, he, he could probably get to his trouser pocket, but it would be a bit tricky because the jacket is quite long. And he puts his hand where his trouser pocket would be, but on top of his jacket. Oh, And he wow. doesn't put it in his pocket. He just holds it there. It's, it's, really, it's really interesting. So that in itself is, is good. That is all marvelous and it's also that period that i really like for menswear when they have quite a high um waist and then it flares yes. out a bit and the trousers are quite narrow at the ankle and some are a bit short but you know they're meant to be quite short yes so all of that is really really interesting that sounds wonderful yes and then um the other interesting thing is the main person this former wife um who then tells what happened in flashbacks and in the flashbacks right. she often wears evening wear but in in the film she doesn't so when she first comes you'd love that outfit i think she wears a trench <gasps> love a trench yeah she wears a belted trench and she wears this the mannish clothing that we were talking about the other day so she has oh, a yes. white white shirt and a very high knotted tie and you know how they sometimes have this little I don't know what it's called it's like a little rod that goes through the knot and into your um collar of the shirt oh, like a tie pin yeah but it's it's right up near your throat oh right I know what you mean oh nice and I think it goes through a little hole in your purposefully made hole in your collar and you I think you normally have a little ball at the end on, on either yes. side so she's wearing that and then Excellent. this belted trench which looks amazing and then the next time we see her she's taken the trench off and you can see she's wearing a waistcoat over her or her shirt quite a fitted waistcoat dark uh, with lots of buttons, like at least eight or ten buttons over wow. a check shirt. Um, what else does she wear? Uh, and is she wearing a skirt or trousers? Skirt, yeah. She always skirt. wears skirts. And they're always mm, sort of mid 
calf, I would say. Um, and then in a very dramatic scene, she wears something that I've seen quite a bit in, in images from that period. She wears a black satin blouse with a really high collar. Oh my God, amazing. I love really high collars yeah. from that period. And she must have something in the collar because it would normally slouch. I don't know how it works. It must be like... Because in around 1900, sometimes in collars, they have bits of whalebone or some sort of early plastic. And I oh suspect my goodness. she has that as well. And it's it goes... So it's a black satin blouse and it goes over her um, hand in a point and that point is embroidered. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Can we nice. have everything reproduced for us? I think I this. think that particular outfit we really should. And then she wears Definitely. it over a black satin skirt and there's some embroidery there as well. So and then that at that point it's sort of really dramatic. Um, wow. So there aren't masses of different outfits and there are only these two women. But they make everyone count. Yes, exactly. But I, I wish I knew who made... Her, you know the women's clothes and it yes. doesn't say and I couldn't I couldn't find anything um I mean maybe it was their own I don't I think at some point that that's happened sometimes at that period Definitely. didn't it yeah and the other thing that's interesting is that this actress she's called Olga now again I don't know how you say it I think in English you'd say Chekova in German you right. might say Cheshova I'm not sure um okay. And she she was from Russia and she she left after the revolution and this was apparently her first film in Germany and then she goes on to have a very long film career in Germany also doing the Third Reich and some of the big wigs in the Third Reich oh including Hitler were quite big fans but she also may or may not have been a spy a Russian spy so oh. yeah Antony. Is it Anthony Beaver? He wrote a book about her, which we need to get. Oh, really? It sounds really yes, interesting. We must read that. And the last thing I, I could go on for quite a while, but it's she. It's she, fascinating. She um she apparently did her beautician exam in the late thirties. She and then she started to have a cosmetic line in the fifties. <gasps> Isn't that incredible? Uh, everything. Yeah. So it's called Olga Cheshova, and she had at least. Two perfumes, and I think you could one of them you could still get on eBay if you wanted. And I'm, no. I haven't found out that much more. I've seen one ad which had lipstick in it and nail varnish and also creams. So she must have done beauty, but also, um, you know, potions and things. And, um, but I don't, I don't know that much more. And I, I have a little bit of feeling. But that's enough. Even that, I mean, yeah. fascinated by. So I, I'm not sure Anthony Beaver was so interested in the cosmetic side of things, um, from what I can see online. But otherwise, yeah, I'd really like to find out more, more about her. The, what's the book called? I think it's called Olga Chek. It's the mystery of Olga Chekhova or some something like that. Um, okay. Yeah. So wow. yeah, it's definitely it's definitely worth watching. Um, it sounds amazing, and I love it when you get lots of interesting men's work. Yeah, mm, I think. And it, all the, sorry, go on. It's really. I think they really try to show all the different stuff they can do, but because when all the ten men are oh. in the room, they all wear slightly different things. It's not all the oh, same. How interesting! So they're kind of showing their wares. Yeah, I think they. I think they do, and it's a really big credit at the beginning. It's not. It's not on. 
on a what are they called the intertitle is it called intertitles or Subt- yes intertitles yeah it's not on with lots of other things it's i think oh. it's on its own or maybe with one other thing but it's it's really quite big that they're wow and that's very unusual especially yeah. for that era and i wonder <gasps> how it must have been really well known that company because the film was made in berlin i think so you know it makes sense they use that company but then it would have been shown elsewhere so i it doesn't say s adam in berlin it says s adam men's outfitter well so... do you think they do you think it was like burton's i mean you know that, that it had other branches or it may have had branches in big cities maybe yeah maybe it was that it was in a really prominent place in berlin so maybe it was just just really I'll well ask known. Robin, my mm. my lovely colleague who works on German design. Oh yeah, please do. Yes. Because I'd, I'd love to know. Yeah. So interesting. Mm. Menswear is so fascinating. And it's really interesting how it's connected with ready to wear from fairly early on. How how do you mean? Well, just I mean I always think it's fascinating in America this is that a big push in ready-made clothes and, like, sizing and things was the American Civil War. Oh, yeah, from war, yeah. Because of mm. the start standing mm. armies. And just, you know, like, things like Burton's in, in Britain, mm. where it's kind of a semi-ready ready to wear, where it would then be fitted, and then it, and, and it becomes like a kind of rite of passage for a lot of men getting their Burton's suit made. And Germany is so ahead with women's wear isn't it with ready that's true Mm. and i wonder if it is with menswear as well i've never really read anything about german menswear that's true i'm not sure there's been well i don't know maybe i don't know about it but i i think that's not been a big focus Mm. i but i i you know the book is called is it called broken thread yes that's excellent i this men's wear outfit is also Jewish family, so maybe they appear in there. I'm, I'm, I need to oh, have a I'll look. have a look when mm. I'm next in my office because I've got it there. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting, and her clothes, clothes sound lovely too. Yeah, no, they are they are beautiful, and I just wish, yeah, as I said, I wish I knew where they're from. And the other woman, the hostess, hers are nice too. Uh, at, at one point, she wears a long sort of cardigan or knitted jumper over her skirt which is also very nice but they're not as yeah it's very obvious who the protagonist is amazing and i i'm fascinated by this thing of how do you keep your high neck blouse yeah yeah because i I always liked it when we did our our ma mm -hmm. many years ago i i have to confess i've really never been into elizabethan dress (laughs) at all but the thing I always liked were the ruffs, and I always really liked it that you had an underprop yeah. thing to, to prop them up. I just found that fascinating. Yeah. And I think people don't realise that's going on, that there's a thing underneath. Yeah, the Piccadilly. Oh, my God, Piccadilly. Mm. Yeah, that's true. But also, I hadn't, until I'd seen actual 1900, early 20th century sort of Edwardian blouses... I hadn't realized that they have these little, they're almost like what men have, you know, men can put in their collars, yes. shirt collars, their same sort of length and everything. I didn't know about that, that's amazing. And and they're sewn in and some some I've seen are see-through, so there must be some sort of early plastic. Um, Weren't men's ones sometimes cellulose? 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. And are they as wide as the? Yeah, um, they're the ones I. Collar. The no, the ones I've got in my head, they're a bit like sort of li little finger size, like half a right. centimeter, and there's a few of them in the collar. So like oh like boning for a corset. Wow, that must have been really quite uncomfortable yes, to wear. Yes, yes. But you'd look fabulous, been. so it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. I guess, um, I wonder oh. whether Queen Alexandra, she probably had quite a few of these things. I bet she had them. Yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah, so... I feel like I just, I think we should just go to the Museum of London now and just go and look at these. I know, I need to look at... Whether we've got, I can't, I don't actually know offhand whether we have blouses from exactly that sort of in between yes. period be, before it becomes so called flapper, you know, low waist. Yeah. Um, the but other, I, I, so go, go on. The other thing that was interesting is, is I'm, I'm always so interested in underwear. And again, yes. it, that must have been such a transition, transitionary period because you can see they don't wear corsets and mm. it's sort of not quite clear what they wear on the top they might wear some sort of girdle it looks a bit mm. like it but I it's all quite fluid it doesn't well, look my stiff gra my granny I've got the thing she wore oh, my really? sister gave it to me recently I, I must show you mm. um because it's it's just cotton and it's kind of it's like a, it looks like a bra top, but obviously it's not. And she told my sister that that's what she wore before bras were, you know, mm. became popular. And it's got like crocheted white straps and edging. Oh yeah, I think we have one that of holds those. it in place. Mm. And she made it herself. And um, she was born in nineteen hundred, so that's probably we're probably talking that this yeah. was something she wore about this period. Mm. So I think, yeah, no, there is something, but it's, yes, it's, I mean, I think it's like the thing my granny had. Yeah. It's more of a sort of soft. It doesn't hold things together very well. No. Shall we say? Well, no, it's before, it's before bosoms had to be held in place and smoothed and over. shaped, I guess. And shaped. They could mm. just be. Be. They could just be themselves. <laughs> yes. And live their own lives. Yes. Wow. That is all so interesting. So I look it, forward when you've seen it and what you. I know I can't wait on. to see, it. and mm. I want you to see Babylon Berlin as well. Oh yeah, you mentioned that before. I, yeah, yeah, I still haven't watched it. Mm. Yes, but oh, I must see this film. Mm. It's funny because um, Robin and I do a couple of classes together with her MAs and my MAs in the spring term, and we usually show people on Sundays, but we decided we you know, we'll have something different. So we were thinking, you know, we've been trying to think what to have. Yeah, this um, could be a good one. Yeah, because it, it, it's meant to be about Berlin and the city as well. Ah, yeah, this one isn't. It is, you know, it's very much, It it's the not a haunted castle, but it's very much in the countryside. And you see the I, castle a few times and it's very obviously a little model, which is also oh, quite... Oh, I like it when that yeah. happens. I love it when it's like you can really tell... It's a little model or a mm. painting. Yeah. Because mm. there's a brilliant, I can't remember which one, but you know I love Alain Delon mm. very much. And there's a brilliant, there's one of the detective films of his where it, where someone kind of lands on a train and you see the train going along and it's it's really obviously like a child-sized train set. Oh, really? But, but that just <laughs> makes me like the whole film more because yeah. I can't remember if it's the Rouge, I can't remember. But, but I guess I in a way, that. I guess... 
I, that's probably what you thought, and I hadn't picked, thought about it. But it, I guess it is a Berlin outfitter, so in that respect. Um, yes, in that no, that was mm, what it was making me yeah, think that it's mm. a really interesting. It's really interesting because it's so difficult often to work out what's going on in terms of costumes in in sort of early twentieth century yeah. films. Because as you said, so often people just wore their own actors just wore their own clothes. Yeah, I think and so. They would have to. I think Sorry. Asta Nielsen, she says at some point, she was given some money to to buy clothes. Right. So mm. that's interesting. So it would just be in, you know, just the just decision on what they would mm. wear. I mean, obviously they'd be told evening dress and, yeah. you know, they'd be given the kinds of dress. But that's sort of interesting before it becomes kind of formalized. Yeah. Later. Mm. Oh, my goodness. That sounds brilliant. Yes. And how funny that it's called Haunted castle in british in english i mean yeah i wonder whether it's meant to make it no i think it was always called that even when it came out i I was just thinking maybe it was was meant to make the dvd more attractive but um (laughs) it's all spooky yeah there is one spooky scene with a hairy hand but it's just a dream yeah there's a hairy hand (laughs) yeah like thing in the adams family yeah. Oh, no, that's not very hairy. No, anyway. I, yeah, anyway. Um, anyway, we don't need to get sidetracked no. into amount but, of hairiness hand. But what about wow. what about you? What have you been up to? Well, it was the first week of teaching mm-hmm. at the Courtauld, so that was fun. My students seemed very lovely. And so I taught a class on defining dress, so what the terms dress, fashion, adornment mean and how they change in different cultures and how it's a culturally constructed idea Mm -hmm. so that was fun and then I did the first course for my BA first years which is a course on the senses so that was really nice and what was nice that in each class the our wonderful librarians came up and told them about our fashion resources and in each case they brought up things from special collections oh that's nice and I could look at the Paul Erie, Paul Poire book like mm, every day for yeah, the rest of my yeah. life, really, mm. because it's so beautiful. And they brought Vicellio up, which is always, like, I kind of hold my breath. I can't really even believe that it's there, I have that yeah. in front of me. Mm. You know, it's like from 1590, <laughs> it just blows my brains out yeah. of my head that, that it's something from 1590 that's like the first dress book, and it's amazing. So that was super fun. Yeah. And then I also went to the V&A to look at the Frida Kahlo exhibition. Oh, I saw that yesterday. Oh, did Finally, you? Finally, yeah. Finally. Mm. Yes. So what did you think? Um, I there were beautiful things in it. Mm. I I should say that I didn't know that much to be honest. So I mm. I've seen paintings, of course. I've seen pictures of her. I know she was um, married to Diego Riviera. I knew she had an accident. So I, I, you know, I knew very superficial, basic stuff. So I thought the first rooms where it's about her early life, I thought was so interesting. And seeing her... Really interesting. And the film footage was amazing. Yeah, and seeing her in clothes before she develops this... Persona is not the right word, but the, before she develops, look is also not the right word. I don't know what you, to call it, but you know what I mean. Well, yeah, mm. yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean, and I agree. And it's really interesting. 
her family and like her her father that she's sort of German Mexican mm. and and the the sort of photographs of her family and as you say that kind of sense of her kind of finding herself gradually and finding a way to express herself through her clothing and and like makeup and everything yeah is really interesting and I think just the photographs are fascinating yeah definitely because there's she was photographed by like she was a Nicholas Marais lover for I think 10 years and so there's really beautiful I think they're really wonderful the photographs of her and I like how there's lots of photographs of her sort of in the um, interior of her house but also like in the garden Garden. courtyard with the dogs I love I was thinking of you when I saw the dogs oh my goodness as you can imagine Mm. I was thrilled Mm. that she had a little gang of dogs because everyone should have a little gang of dogs but I really like those and I like how it's kind of you get a sort of not a history of but a a really wonderful supply of information on um, modernist photography mm. of that era because um, there's like those beautiful Alvarez Bravo ones and the Murai ones and I think there's that sense of people's fascination in looking at her and framing her and there's quite a few of the photographs not just in the exhibition but ones I've seen before where she's kind of doubled where she's looking yeah. in a yeah where she's looking in a mirror, mirror. and things so mm. So I think that's really interesting. I mean, something that really struck me in the exhibition is that there's like that first room that that's like a sort of long corridor mm-hmm. that that gives you all the background, and then at the end there's two outfits. So you suddenly like there's this burst of colour that's mm. her dress, but then her dresses aren't until the final room, and yes. they're all gathered together in one cabinet. I mean, you can see them well; you can walk around them. But I found that really interesting that I I don't know, it was as though, and then it was like, I don't know, because you sort of go from the photographs and the, and the sort of background, and then there's textiles and jewellery and um, like the ex-photos and things that, that were from yeah. her collection. And then there's the room that is her medicine, her makeup, her corset, her leg braces mm. that kind of expresses this sort of twinning between her illness and her accident and her disability and then her self-fashioning and how Mm. they kind of overlap overlap and mirror each other. But then the actual clothes are just like pow in one cabinet at the end. And And in a way I would have liked to have had more pacing to look at them in more detail. I'm interested and partly glad also that you say that because I, I didn't look at all of them. So I No, I didn't because it was kind of overwhelming. Yeah, so I looked I started to read a few captions, but then it just somehow didn't work. Yeah. And then I went back to what's on the outside um of the room. Uh Yes, yes, because there's like the when she was featured in fashion magazines and sort of artworks in that room. Yeah, and the so, I mean, the it's jewelry. A beautiful room. It's jewelry a beautiful room and there was this one piece of jewelry which I don't, I got the book as well, and I don't think it's in there. It's It was like a hair ornament, and it had little yes. red metal roses and then silver dangly bits. And then I thought it had actual dried leaves, but I think they were made out of crepe paper. And that I just, I went to that three, four times. Yes. I just loved that so much. But there was there was other beautiful jewellery um, oh, yeah, in the, there. Oh, yeah, the jewellery was really wonderful. And you do, I think that really 
gives you a sense, you know, going from the room that's got the makeup and the um, corsetry and then into the room your, with... your voice sounds really funny. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay. I was I was dropping the phone as oh, I was okay. discussing. Um, that, that you go from... I think it really gives you a sense of the layers that go into her yeah. style because and how it's kind of layered up from her skin. Yeah. Or and even also, from beyond that. Yeah. Also, these, these photos which... I had mixed feelings about where she's half naked. Yes. I wasn't, I don't know, I had some mixed feelings about them, but it um, it was interesting to see what she, how much effort goes into the hair. Yes, that's extraordinary. Mm. Because, because she's become such a film, familiar kind of icon figure yeah. that that it was really good that the elements were broken down and yes that there's there's that sense of enormous effort in each in each layer of it um because even the boots that she wore the sort of stacked boots and the leg braces the way that she decorated them so she's kind of personalizing them and making them extraordinary and putting like a little bell on one of her boots yeah. mm. and so something which is you know that because of views of disability isn't or wasn't then shown so much she's drawing deliberate attention to and it making it kind of multi-sensory that she you know there's like her perfume there's like you get a sense of her smelling this way mm. sounding this way looking this way the textures of her clothes yes interesting that you say sounding maybe i missed it but you don't hear her voice do you in the no you don't because the you hear trotsky <laughs> <laughs> Trotsky speaking English. I don't think you do. I mean, maybe it was, maybe I just didn't see that. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I also love this big drawing of her house. Yes. And I don't know. It's I don't know what it that it wasn't just me. There were quite a lot of people who stood there for a long time. That's true. And why That's is true. that? It, it was, was so the... simple. It was just put on a. How what was it like double A three or something like that? Yes. And just a drawing with saying this is where I was born and this is the kitchen and this cupboard is for that kind of stuff and but it was just some reason it was really intriguing and mesmerizing and you wanted to it really was. look at all the different details. And it's true that was the busiest bit when I went there too. Yeah. And it and I suppose I mean to me it was it was like some it was. I mean, obviously, it's much more skillful and beautiful than that, but it's like like you would draw as a child that there was something very... Yeah, that it was very sort of simple but incredibly complex. Yeah. And it was really interesting which things she thought it was important to say went where. And I loved, like, the washing line and things. And maybe... Yeah, I loved that. And maybe, maybe it is partly because um, it was her voice... And yes, it occasionally yes. it comes up in captions what she said about something, and there are letters, um, but I I don't speak the language, so I couldn't read them. Um, yeah. But that is very that was her. Whereas a lot of the other things was these are pictures of her taken by other people. Yes. Or, or yeah, maybe maybe. Well, I'll... no, it is like you're you're at one remove from her, mm. except for her art. I mean, there aren't that many of her actual paintings in no. the exhibition, are there? Mm. But, yes, the other things are kind of at one remove. Mm. Or at least in the early rooms, you're at one remove from her. Yeah. And it is quite startling then when you go in and there's the the corsets and things. Yeah. And those, 
I mean, I think there is something a little uncomfortable in the way that that she is dissected. I mean, I suppose she dissected herself and was aware of herself as a fragmentary body, yeah. but also fragmentary politically because of the sort of Mexican Revolution. Yeah. And then most of her life is during a sort of a period of, of nationalism and regionalism and wanting to express Mexicanness in all different kinds of ways. Yeah. But I suppose it is kind of reflecting her sense of her fragmented body but it does become it's quite religious it's quite kind of yeah um, there are a bit like sacred seeming Mm, they are a bit like relics some of the the way they are they definitely are Mm. and i I felt a bit uncomfortable and then i thought maybe that's good maybe that's what you should feel like and but then I, I sort of kept going backwards and forwards, but maybe I shouldn't be seeing these things. And then I thought, but then she, some in her paintings, you could see some of these things. And so I, I kept going backwards and forwards, and I'm still going backwards and forwards. I'm yeah. not, haven't settled. Well, I think, I mean, her artworks are very much about forcing herself and forcing the viewer to confront things about her body and her feelings about her body and trauma in relation to her body and sort of events in relation to mm. her life and I think you get that sense and it does yes it I think there's nothing wrong with being made to feel a bit uncomfortable yeah. I think there's like bedposts on on some of the yeah the, the in the cabinets in, and yeah. that I know she spent time in bed because of her um health problems but that was a little bit strange having kind of bedposts and then the yeah, they they the, were they the were the braces. cases. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think it is sort of really fascinating. I mean, it made me really. I mean, I wished already that I'd seen the Georgia O'Keeffe yeah exhibition oh, really, about her yeah. post, but it was really making me think. Oh, I hope they bring that to Britain because it would be really fascinating to see how they did that with her, and also you know how would they do this with a male artist? Yeah, like I I'd like to see a male artist. I don't know who. Yeah, I I'm don't not know. gonna choose, but someone who, who because because that sort of sense of being fascinated with someone's sort of fashioning, it doesn't have to be that someone is very performative and spectacular yeah. like Carlo was. It's just as interesting. Well, like you were saying with the menswear in the film you were watching, yeah. it would be just as interesting. I don't know if there are any artists who left all their clothes. Well, there is. There is. I'm just. Behind. I'm just thinking of, but I probably can't think of his name now. There's an Italian um, writer, and he wrote in the early 20th century. And um, he, I think he had fascist leanings as well. And he has the most amazing wardrobe that's has still, that still survives. Oh, and really? it has been displayed. Um, but stupidly, I can't, I think his name starts with an A, but I can't think of his name at the moment. Oh. And um, his wardrobe definitely has, has been displayed so he's not a visual artist but he's, no, sure. he's, he's a writer but I think that's really interesting because it is interesting you know even if people are like I do not care about my clothes I, I mean often people who say that so clearly are interested in their clothes you yeah can see it in what they're doing and it's a kind of faint but um no it would be it would be really interesting I kind of in a sense it was like fascinating to see one person through that lens of their self-fashioning and their making themselves and it was really interesting because she's so particular in the historical moment in terms of politics and also in terms of the of Mexico and what was happening in Mexico and then her 
disability and but it but it makes her so particular and in a way I'd like to see five other shows yes. alongside mm. that that would kind of contextualize it because um, I don't know if it was in the catalogue or it was one of the labels. It, it said about how it was unusual that she was looking at regional dress, but but then it also said that middle class sort of inte- intellectual women of the period they wouldn't wear it as extensively as Carlo, but they would adopt um, that that style of sort of regional Mexican dress as a sort of symbol of of national identity and of political allegiance. And she's kind of so it's kind of interesting and I think also in that period there's a real interest in folk dress yeah. and regional dress within fashion within high fashion but also more generally and and used in different ways in different countries I think internationally really Particularly so, so it would be kind European. of interesting yeah definitely mm. and I think it would be interesting to kind of think of it think of the what she's doing in relation to that to others, as well rather yeah. than seeing it as kind of really you know that it's a colonial body reclaiming and and creating this kind of hybrid mm. um, yeah, fashion. So really it would be interesting. really interesting to kind of think of it in terms of you know what were the Latin American countries doing in terms of fashion and and regional dress at this period, but then also the way that it's used within in high, high fashion, fashion yeah. and and kind of everyday dress. Yeah in the period because it's definitely a really strong strong thread well this this um black satin outfit that olga chekova wears in in this film it looks like eastern european embroidery interesting so um and i know that was the sort of russian influence was really big i've just found found the man yes he's called it's gabriele d'annunzio of course, I was going to say, I, I, and that's a classic thing, I was going to say that, <laughs> and yet I did not. In so 88, the exhibition was at the Palazzo oh, Pitti really? of his, um, of it, his wardrobe, at the Palazzo Pitti in Florence. Wow. Yeah, it was called Conformism and Transgression. How interesting. Mm, yeah. And oh, that, now I want to see that exhibition, I want to time travel and I see wonder that exhibition. Whether, there was a catalogue. I've still, I've, I've still got a, a clipping of an article. I, I can send you a scan. That, Please. That of because his be wardrobe really is really, really quite something. So I don't no, know where that really leaves us. It leaves us wondering about the significance of regional slash folk slash traditional dress in the interwar period yes. and its myriad meanings. That's yeah. where it leaves That's us. That's where I think. it leaves us. Okay, so we need to now go and explore. Go and explore. Enjoy exploring, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay, talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.